Hello, and welcome back to Life in Ants. I'm your host, Lily Forrester, and I'm super excited to have you back and listening again. If it's your first time here, not to worry. We'll get you up to speed. And if it's your third time here, then thank you very much for being a fan. As I always tell you, modern anthropology is plagued by its exclusivity, and we are working to build an outlet to bring the principles of the discipline outside the realm of academia to people like you and me. With that being said, let's quickly recap what we already learned and get those concepts solidified. Last week, we talked about power structures within the recreational fitness space and unpacked the concepts of the parasocial relationship and gender relations as they pertain to structuralist anthropology. This week, we're going to take a slight turn into the specifics, which means that first, we need to cover some basics. My 101 professor always told me that when I mention I study anthropology, people will ask me if I'm like Indiana Jones. And while that hasn't totally held up, I do find that archaeology is where people's heads go first. It's no Indiana Jones either way, but it's not totally incorrect. Archaeology is one of the four subdisciplines of anthropology. There's archaeology, biological anthropology, linguistic anthropology, and cultural anthropology. Soon, because it's important for contextual understanding, we'll do an episode on the history of these divisions, though I suspect it will not be our most popular episode. So far, we have discussed only cultural anthropology on the show, largely because I'm a cultural anthropologist, and right now is an interesting time in the discipline for many reasons, one being the rise of a new subdivision known as ethnomusicology. For all my music lovers out there, this one's for you. To help us build a foundation, we're going to observe one specific band called Boy Genius and narrow in on some cultural phenomena that allow them to rise to prominence in the uniquely connected era that is the post-pandemic 21st century. Welcome to Queering the Stage. Let's get into it. Your first introduction to this band may well have been through Taylor Swift, who welcomed Boy Genius member Phoebe Bridgers on her Eras tour as her U.S. opener. If you're an indie music enthusiast, you may have been familiar with Bridgers as a standalone artist prior to her connection with Taylor Swift, as she was something of an NPR darling following the release of her first album, Stranger in the Alps. Most likely, though, you're familiar with her because her song Motion Sickness went viral on TikTok around the time the U.S. went into lockdown for the COVID-19 pandemic which conveniently aligned with the release of her sophomore album, Punisher, securing Bridger's prominence on TikTok, which has become a significant measure of success in the changing musical landscape. Between those two albums, Bridger's joined forces with artists Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker to form the band Boy Genius, all in lower case, as was in fashion thanks to Billie Eilish. And together they released their first EP which they also called Boy Genius. That EP did not make a huge splash, but did become something of a phenomenon among a small group of young, queer women. However, after the success that was Bridger's Punisher album, fans sought out more of her content, and the band experienced a surge in popularity, inspiring them to reunite for a full album release called The Record in, you guessed it, all lowercase. Before we get too deep in, I must first offer a quick sidebar. And note that for legal reasons, I will not be playing any Boy Genius music. But I will leave links in the description to the songs mentioned throughout so that you can listen when convenient for you. So, what is unique about Boy Genius? Why bother discussing them in specific? Well, up until this point, many icons who have brought together a community of queer women 
artists like Marina, formerly known as Marina and the Diamonds, Lana Del Rey, and even to an extent Lord, have not themselves been members of the LGBTQ plus community. In fact, for many years, I was not aware of any queer female-led bands in the 21st century, despite seeking out that content. Now, not only are all members of Boy Genius also members of the community, they are visibly so, making even a demonstration of their sexuality, which we will surely circle back to throughout the episode. So, why now? As always, I brought on an interlocutor to help us think critically about Boy Genius, and who better than a Boy Genius fan to do just that? Let's meet Becca. My name is Becca. I am currently in the process of getting my master's in Appalachian Ethnomusicology, and I'm a songwriter. I would say I got into Phoebe Bridgers before I got into Boy Genius, but honestly, as I got into Phoebe Bridgers, pretty much right away I was listening to that EP, the first one, the Boy Genius EP that came out in 2018. While Becca is our lone interlocutor today, she is our first academic expert on the show which is a fun chance to highlight an unrelated but always important topic in anthropology about expertise. Anthropology is what we call a phenomenological discipline. Phenomenology, as a very high-level overview, states that those who lived it are the true experts. The competing philosophy, positivism, states that those who study it are the true experts. This episode is extra special because no matter what you believe, we can all agree on one thing. There's an expert on the show today. We'll revisit that in episodes to come, along with our history lesson, but today we're going in a different direction. Let's let Becca set the stage. There's this awareness that there are not many female-fronted bands that have been successful, so that leaves a hole. And then there's this awareness of, wow, we aren't really centering very many queer people in the music industry, or queer musicians exist, but they don't talk about their sexuality explicitly but i think boy genius has been able to fill that hole because as a society or at least in the states we've made this concerted effort to call out disparities when we see them but i think this is a huge step towards that and i do think that can be attributed partially to covid COVID. It seems it's a topic in everything we touch these days, and music is certainly no exception. On the surface, the pandemic altered our music consumption in obvious ways. There were no more concerts for the foreseeable future, hopefully no more parties, and we were commuting a lot less, so the crazy acoustic environment that is the inside of our cars was a lot less utilized. Deeper down, we also found our music differently. As you will likely recall in reflection on your own experience, we spent a little more time online than we did before because that was how we connected with each other. That also became the predominant way we found new artists and fellow fans on social media. That part wasn't so much new, but what was new was the power of the internet fandom. With strong opinions and time to kill, internet fandoms reached a peak in lockdown, connecting like-minded people across the world to each other in a scale never before seen. This was a way for people not only to find a community to discuss music, but also to discuss themselves. In this way, Boy Genius had a particular resonance. But I think the reason that they've had much more success now is because so many people, myself included, had the time to experience and figure out their sexuality and gender identity and all of these components of self that are shoved to the back burner when you're living in survival mode. 
Boy Genius gave young, queer people, predominantly those assigned female at birth, musical icons to look up to as they navigated the complexities of their identities. In my opinion, that is a very important role to play in society, and as Becca pointed out, it's a huge step forward for queer people. As a Boy Genius fan, it's tempting to stop talking there and let heroes be heroes, but I might lose credibility as an anthropologist. We do like to tear things down. Remember early on I mentioned that members of Boy Genius are visible members of the LGBTQ community? That became particularly prevalent as lockdown eased and the boys, as they called themselves, set off on tour for their album, The Record. Some specific clips of their concert have achieved recurrent virality on TikTok, and those clips usually feature at least two members of the band making out. I toyed around with the wording there, but I don't think there's an academic way of saying it. That is what they do, and it's become a bit of a gimmick. It's what we call performative in anthropology, which carries slightly different connotations than the standard cultural meaning because, in anthropology, we stress that performativity does not necessarily delegitimize something. Despite the fact that they are truly queer, they are also quite literally performing their queerness to gain what we call cultural capital. Cultural capital refers to the intangible assets, skills, knowledge, behaviors, and cultural practices that individuals or groups possess. Basically, it's the abstract units that achieve status within a certain group. You may have lots of cultural capital with the wrestling team at school, but that might not get you very far with the symphony orchestra. Similarly, while Boy Genius seems to be challenging social norms and potentially losing cultural capital in the U.S. and the world on whole, they're gaining quite a bit of cultural capital within the queer female community, their target audience. This is especially complicated when observing Phoebe Bridgers, whose romantic history, at least on paper, does not look as visibly queer. She is, first of all, dating a man, currently, and so it feels like almost this self-fetishization for the sake of public consumption. And I don't, I don't like that. I don't think it's necessary. I do think that our society as a whole puts a huge emphasis on romantic relationships and romantic intimacy and that there can be platonic intimacy, which I suppose this is, but it doesn't, I don't, think that it reads that way maybe she just is into all of them in that way but it does feel performative and it feels like guys look I'm actually gay I do think it's problematic because it enforces this idea that queerness looks a certain way and I don't think that it does because Phoebe Bridges is dating a man but she's queer and that's fine What Becca is reacting to is an instance of what's known as hegemony, coined by Italian Marxist thinker Antonio Gramsci. Hegemony is a term used to describe how the beliefs, values, and norms of powerful groups in society influence and shape the way everyone else thinks, acts, and behaves. A person who occupies a more powerful position societally has a greater potential to affect the way you view the world around you and within you. And on the topic of powerful positions... There are like clearly certain tracks that she hasn't really creatively touched as much. But that being said, a lot of tracks she is either singing like the main melody or a harmony that like sticks out in your ear. Like, oh, that's Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers' career has kind of had a more of a trajectory. 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think Phoebe has a wider appeal to people that aren't even necessarily queer. So yes, proud displays of queer love do challenge the status quo. But as always, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker, whose names uncoincidentally have gotten significantly less play in this episode, have also gotten significantly less play on streaming platforms. Solo, Lucy Dacus boasts about a ninth of Phoebe Bridger's Spotify streams, and Julian Baker gets under half of what Lucy Dacus gets. In a hegemonic lens, Phoebe Bridgers is certainly the powerful party in question, and despite being wonderful artists, Dacus and Baker rely a bit on her stardom to advance their own careers. It is worth noting that, as a solo artist, Bridgers has demonstrated this same behavior with her male guitarist, suggesting that she at least pioneered and likely encouraged this practice within the band. And according to the concept of hegemony, her influence, out of the three, is strongest. Undeniably, though, it's different when Phoebe Bridgers performs her sexuality with a male guitarist than with her female bandmates. The latter is intended to be a larger statement, and within the community, that has held true. But it is important to note that those clips on TikTok that feature visible queer sexuality only ever reach a specific audience, typically an audience who consumes queer content already. Queer people. When discussing a topic for this podcast with a friend who is not a member of the queer community, she said, I'm confused. Isn't Phoebe Bridgers straight? And while the answer to that question is no, it is certainly true that the public perception of heterosexuality poses some advantage in the broader population, who perceive her to be more palatable and less niche. This leads us to our last concept for the episode, the concept of agency. This is one that most people will be familiar with through organic conversation, so I won't dwell too long in explanation. But agency refers to the capacity of individuals and groups to act independently and make choices that influence their lives and the social structures around them. Colloquially, it would be easy to chalk this discussion up to Dacus's and Baker's lack of agency due to their comparative lack of power, both structurally and economically. But anthropology, this is not necessarily true. Though they do not command as strong a spotlight and may not have as much artistic agency within the band, Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker's decision to team up with Phoebe Bridgers is in itself an act of agency. They are also capable of walking away, which would be a further demonstration of their agency. But agency is not limited to the performers. It extends freely onto listeners who wield the power of interpretation. Those viral TikTok clips while extremely popular within the queer community, also highlight the nuanced challenge of translating such displays for a wider audience. An external view of Phoebe Bridgers, from an edict perspective, if you will, will likely have difficulty representing the complexities of her identity's performative aspects. That is to say, not only do artists make choices about how to represent themselves and their identities, but their audience also holds agency in how they perceive those choices. Do they consume content that would then lead them to see the viral videos in question? Or do they swipe past videos that might align them with the queer community? These absent decisions we make as we scroll endlessly in bed are all enactments of our agency as consumers. Now, because I did not formally establish my positionality at the top of the episode as I often do, I feel it is important for you to know that I am a big fan of Boy Genius and of Phoebe Bridgers as a solo artist. 
I think they make great music, and I am myself a member of the LGBTQ plus community, which is why this topic was of particular interest to me and why, at times, I may sound a bit critical. But don't be fooled. I'll be seeing them in concert come September. To recap today, we define terms such as cultural capital and its fluidity across contexts, the concept of hegemony and agency as it relates to both musician and consumer. And bonus points for you if you can remember phenomenology and positivism. But if not, don't worry. We have a super fun history lesson coming for you soon. And these two philosophies sit right at the heart of it. Check out the links in the description of today's episode if you want further reading on ethnomusicology or a chance to listen to some of Boy Genius's music or music from any of the boys. If you liked today's episode, leave us a review. That feedback is invaluable as we work to build up a listener base. And if you have suggestions for topics to cover, drop us a comment on our YouTube channel and we'll get right to work. Stay tuned for more episodes to come and by all means, go ruin some parties with your newfound knowledge. Until next time, so long.